Hey, City Life Church, welcome to our Saturday service. So glad you're joining us. Hey, before I get into the message, just a couple of things uh, to tell you about that are up and coming in the life of the church, and then also just to make sure you're prepared for the end of this service tonight. One is Easter is coming up April 11th. We're excited. We're going to be doing drive-in theater church. It's about a 35-minute service. You'll stay in your vehicle. The building's going to stay locked, but we're going to be doing something outside. You'll pull in. And we're going to celebrate the resurrection of Christ together right here at the Newport News campus. So stay tuned through for all of our social media outlets, and we'll be giving more details for that to follow. Hey, also just at the end of the message tonight, uh, just to be prepared, we're going to be doing communion together. So if you didn't have a chance to come by either the Newport News campus or the Suffolk campus uh, today to pick up communion elements, that's okay. Uh, just find some juice and some bread in your home and you'll be able to join in that communion moment with us uh, at the end of the sermon. Hey, tonight's message uh, is part of this sermon series. Our sermon series is that this is a season to thrive and not just survive, uh, and tonight's message is go going to be about providence. So let me share this quote with you just to get our brains moving in the right direction. This comes from Samuel Adams. He was one of our nation's founders, and this is what he is quoted as saying. Numerous have been the manifestations of God's providence in sustaining us. In the gloomy period of adversity, we have had our cloud by day and pillar of fire by night. We have been reduced to distress and the arm of omnipotence, which is referring to God, has raised us up. Let me read that again. We have been reduced to distress and the arm of omnipotence has raised us us up. Now this is uh, the dictionary app's definition for providence. Let me read this to you. It says the protective care of God and the timely preparation for future eventualities. Now this idea of providence is about providence as a provision. It's about divine intervention in a time, often a time of crisis, where God providentially intervenes on our behalf. Now we believe in that and you see all of that happening through scripture. But tonight's message is about a different kind of providence. It's not providence as a provision. It's providence as a moment. So Father, as we dig into this message that I believe that you've given us tonight for this season that we're in, as we look into this incredible story of a young Jewish woman who herself finds herself in a moment of providence, I pray that we would learn from her journey and we would be encouraged by these lessons. In Christ's name, come on. And everybody said together, amen. Hey, let's start by reading this story. It comes out of Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. And it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee. And a young girl named Mary was there. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Now, confused and disturbed, the text tells us. We're going to talk about that and what it means for us. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. 
The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. We're going to talk about that and what it means. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I've never been married before. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be born holy. And he will be called the Son of God. And what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. And now we know from the rest of the story that this is the mother of John the Baptist, Elizabeth. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son. And now in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything that you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. This this idea of providence as a moment, as we see in Scripture, is when God uses worldly events to advance His eternal plans. Let me say that again. Providence as a moment is when God uses worldly events to advance His eternal plans. Now let me read this verse to you. This is Luke 2, 1 through 5. It says, At the time the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. It says this was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. It says all return to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. Again, this is Luke 2, 1 through 5, beginning in verse 4. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. Now, when we take Luke 2 and put that together with Luke 1, what we find is a moment of providence. There's nothing in the text, as Luke was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this, that says that it was God who initiated or or prompted these political officials to require this census. What we see is that God is using worldly events to advance His eternal plans. Now this is important for us because when we look at the situation that we're in now, I'm not saying that God caused what's happening in this world by way of a global pandemic. I'm not saying that God initiated what's happening in this world by way of a global pandemic. What we learn in studying Scripture through moments of providence that God does not have to be the cause, and God does not have, it, have to initiate in order for God to redeem it. That's one of the great lessons that we learn in Romans 8, 28. This is out of the New Living Translation, and it says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good for those, listen to this, this is important because it's a conditional promise, for those who love God and are called according to His purposes for them. See, a lot of people talk about Romans 8, 28 as if it is a promise for all people, but it is not. Like much of the promises of Scripture, they are exclusive. They are conditional. And here we're given the condition. It's twofold. That God uses all things together for the good, meaning that every situation and circumstance can work out to our benefit and favor in some way, somehow. One is if we are in a love relationship with God. Now that doesn't mean a casual affection for God. It means that we are in a loving covenant relationship with him, that he is our father and that we've been born into his family by having made a vow of devotion to Christ. 
And so if you look into the story of your life, if you can't find a moment in time and you're watching this service with us now and you've never made a vow of devotion to Christ, you can do it by clicking the link here that's on your screen and one of our staff will be there to pray with you. The other condition that we find, it says that we have to be called according to God's purposes. See, so even if you're a devoted follower of Christ, it doesn't necessarily mean that the Romans 8.28 promise is for you. We have to be in a loving relationship with God, but that's the first step. The second step says that if we are called according to his purposes for them, which means that our heart has to be one that says to God, I'm all in for whatever my part is supposed to be in the eternal plan that you're trying to accomplish. And what we find here in the story that Mary is both of these. She is most certainly a child of God through the pre-Christ on the cross means of having a relationship with God. And we see through her declaration that she is committed to her part in this plan. So when we look at this story, if you're believing with me that I do, that when Mary is told that she's going to give birth to the Messiah, that God is showing us here what a providential moment looks like, if we're to overlay that story onto our situation, how can we know for sure that the situation that we're in is a providential moment as well? And I believe that as the Holy Spirit inspired Luke to give us this account, to give us this story, there are four specific conditions that we're told to help us to understand what a providential moment looks like. And I believe that we are in a providential moment right now through this global pandemic. The first one is Mary's response to the angel. It says that she was confused and disturbed, confused and disturbed. So when we find ourselves in a situation, especially a crisis like the one that we're facing, where there are feelings of confusion that lead to deep feelings of distress, I believe that that's a great indication that we could very well be in a moment of providence. Now we're not talking about ordinary confusion. We know that just in daily life, we can be confused at times and the older we get, speaking of myself, we can find ourselves in those situations more than we would like to admit. We're not talking about ordinary confusion. We're talking about the kind of confusion that leaves us feeling disturbed. Now, this word in the Greek, in the original text, is very specific. It's the word diateroso, diateroso. Now, this word that appears here, that's translated confused and disturbed, it is the only time in all of Scripture that it is used, and it's used just this one time here. Now, I believe that when I'm studying the Bible and I come across a place where a word is only used one time, that God does that. It's a, a literary technique that God himself uses to get our attention. It is as though he's highlighting this part of the story and he's saying to you and to me, pay attention to this, diatoroso. Now the root of this we find is in other parts of scripture to help us understand the meaning of diatoroso. The root word toroso means to agitate or to trouble. It means to cause inward commotion. It means to take away one's calmness of mind. It means to disturb. It means to disquiet or make restless. It means to stir up. It means to trouble. Listen to this part of the definition. It means to strike one's spirit with fear and dread. It means to render anxious or distressed. Now, I can't think of a better definition to talk about what many of us, including myself, have experienced at times in dealing and reflecting on this global pandemic. Now, again, we're not talking about normal confusion. We know that normal confusion happens in all of our lives. If you've ever been on a road trip and you didn't have cell service and all of a sudden the little blue line that you're used 
to following is no longer there and you're not sure which way to turn. You might feel a little bit confused or you might feel a little bit lost, but you don't necessarily feel distressed. For some of you right now, you might feel confused. Now, all of a sudden, you've never been an educator before, but now that your children are home, that, that you're a teacher in your home and you're looking at lessons and your children are coming to you for help and you feel a little bit confused because you, you don't understand the material either. That's not the kind of confusion that we're talking about. I think about marriage and if, if you're newly married, you can remember that first time, especially us as husbands, where you've been in a discussion for about a half an hour and you find yourself saying, I thought we were talking about this. Are you saying we were talking about that? There's just there's confusion that happens in life. That's not the kind of confusion we're talking about. We're talking about the kind of confusion that leaves us with a deep feeling of being unsettled. And that's what Mary was feeling in this moment when the angel came to her. And I believe it is the first clue of when you were in a moment of providence. Let's look at number two. I've got four I'm going to give to you tonight. The second one is sacrifice. So there's a feeling of confusion that, that leaves us feeling disturbed. There is a sacrifice that is required of us that feels unfair. Again, we're not talking about ordinary sacrifice. If you're a productive, contributing member of society involved in healthy relationships with other people, sacrifice is part of our everyday life. There are always things that we've got to be willing to give up for the betterment of our fellow man. But the kind of sacrifice that comes with the providential moment is the kind of sacrifice that leaves us feeling oftentimes unstable. In Mary's day, women were basically property. They were. If you think about even in our modern day society how far we still need to go when it comes to justice and equal rights by way of gender or by way of ethnicity, if we were to travel back in time 2,000 years, we would find a culture in a world where people were oftentimes dehumanized and devalued beyond, I think, what we can really grasp in our modern thinking. Women, unless they came from a royal family, unless they were privileged, unless they had a title, women were basically property. Women were illiterate, they did not have an education, and they did not have property, and they did not have any training for a particular vocation. And this was especially true of young Jewish women. The only thing that Mary had 2,000 years ago that was of value to her, this is important, the only thing that she possessed that belonged to her that was of value was her reputation. And here it is that that's the very thing that God is asking her to give up. It is a sacrifice that's, I think, beyond what many of us can imagine. Mary engaged to a man, promised to him, now finds herself with child. The risk to her and her culture as a young Jewish woman, and we're going to look at this in a little bit, a little bit more in just a few minutes, that if Joseph is not understanding or believing or kind to her, this act that could be misunderstood by the rest of the world could very well cost Mary her life. She could be put to death for such a betrayal. It is an incredible sacrifice 
that God is asking of her. We find confusion that leaves us feeling disoriented. We find sacrifice that feels absolutely unfair and unjustified. And then we find responsibility that is thrust upon us that we feel ill-prepared for. Again, this is the third condition I think that we find when we're trying to understand if we're in a moment of providence, that responsibility is thrust upon us that we feel ill-equipped to fulfill. Now again, we're not talking about normal times of feeling ill-prepared. I know if you've ever had a new job, or again, if you're in a maybe newly married, I think oftentimes if you're all the, the, the babies that are being born here at the City Life Church, and, and I think about when we were driving home with Derek for the first time, just how absolutely ill-prepared we felt. These are, these are normal types of feelings that we will have in life. We were, for Derek, it was at Henrico Doctors Hospital in the west end of Richmond. And I, I kid you not, I still remember pulling up under the overhang for the pickup. We had a 1996 Dodge Stratus. And I remember pulling up and getting out of the car. And I had climbed into the back seat. And I was making sure that the base for the car seat carrier was secure. And I heard the doors open. And I remember looking up and seeing Vanessa coming. I can see it as clear as day being wheeled out in the wheelchair by the nurse and she's holding Derek in her arms. And I remember thinking to myself how absolutely unprepared we were. And, and this feeling came in my heart, please don't make us leave this hospital, right? Where we have all of these resources and support. There's times in our lives where we feel Ill, ill-prepared, but a moment of providence leaves us feeling ill-prepared beyond anything that's normal in this life. Now, what might that have been for Mary. Verse 35, the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. Now you tell me what you think Mary felt like in that moment. I think she felt overwhelmed. I, I think she felt absolutely ill-prepared for the responsibility that was being thrust upon her. You see, Mary, as a young Jewish girl, grew up in a culture and in a world and in a religious system that had this incredible belief that one day the Messiah would be born. To, to be a young Jewish person, whether you were a young girl or a young boy, there was this incredible hope that you would be the generation that would see the birth of the Messiah. They, they, they looked back at their history and thought about the generation of the Exodus and how for hundreds of years Israel as a nation was enslaved by a brutal king in Egypt and how the generation that was chosen to be the Exodus generation that was led out by Moses, what a, what a privilege that was as a nation. They equated that desire to one day now being the next generation that would be chosen to be the generation that would see the Messiah come. And now Mary, this young girl, finds herself in a moment of history where she realizes not only is she going to be of the generation, that she's going to be the mother that will give birth to this child and to bear the responsibility for raising him and directing him to his destiny. So you tell me how overwhelmed you think she might have felt. The fourth one is this, an idea that I'm calling interdependence. Moments of providence. This is how we know we're in it. There is confusion that leaves us feeling disturbed. There is sacrifice that feels unbelievably unfair. There's responsibility that is thrust upon us that leaves us feeling ill-equipped. 
And the last one here is something, again, I'm calling interdependence, meaning that it causes you to be vulnerable to the decisions of others. Now, again, I know that interdependence is part of our normal everyday life. Just as soon as you leave your home, you're at the mercy of decisions that other people make, whether it's in your job, whether it's traveling to the work, just driving in an automobile surrounded by strangers. Again, interdependence is a normative part of our lives. But interdependence as part of a moment of providence is a different kind of interdependence. It means that your your very well-being is at the mercy of the decisions of other people. Let me read these verses to you. This is out of Matthew 1, 18 to 21. Matthew 1, 18 to 21. It says, this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. It says his mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still unmarried, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. What does this mean? It means that when we compare the narrative of Matthew to the narrative of Luke, what we understand here is that at some point, Mary comes to Joseph and tells him what happens. She she confesses that she's with child, and she tells her the story of the angel Gabriel coming to her, which means that when we read Matthew's account, we see that Joseph did not believe her at first. Joseph, hearing this story, finds it absolutely ridiculous. And he decides that he's going to divorce her. But because, again, he is a kind-hearted man and because he understands that Mary could be put to death for such a betrayal, he wants to do it in a way that protects her safety. Can you imagine the feeling that Mary had when she walked away from that conversation with the man that she loved, who did not believe that she was telling the truth? Can you imagine the feeling that she had of being absolutely vulnerable to the interdependence of her life in connection to that of Joseph, that she had no control and no authority over her own situation. Whatever Joseph chose to do would affect her life and her future. Verse 20, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him In a dream, Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus, for he will be the Savior of his people and save them from their sins. You see, I think sometimes we've read these stories so many times we get the details mixed up. And so many of us think that the angel, there was an angel that was sent to Mary and then there was an angel that was sent to Joseph and they both found out at the same time so they could step into this moment of celebration together. But that's not how it worked. There was a moment. There was a period of time. We don't know for how long between when the angel came to Mary and the angel came to Joseph. And in that time, somewhere in between, Mary had a conversation with Joseph and Joseph did not believe her. Interdependence. Our lives vulnerable in the hands and the decisions of other people. Moments of providence. There is confusion that leaves us feeling distressed. There is sacrifice that we feel is absolutely unfair. There is responsibility for which we feel completely ill-equipped. And there is an interdependence that is 
forced and thrust upon us without our choosing that leaves us feeling vulnerable. Now, I trust that you, like me, and hearing this story and working through these verses together, that we cannot help but to come to the conclusion that we right now in this global pandemic are in a moment of providence. And just like this sermon series that we're in, I believe that in moments of providence, it's not a time to just survive. It is a time to thrive. And the way that we thrive when we're in a place where we feel confused and distressed is simply this. It's not hard to understand, but I'm confessing to you, it's hard to do. I was talking with someone from the church this morning and I was just sharing about my own journey and, 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 and what do I do in moments like this when my own humanity begins to feel disturbed and distressed and disquieted. And the thing that I remind myself every time in situations like this is that I'm going to choose to trust in the sovereignty of God. See, when we read stories like this in the Bible, we read them and we celebrate them, but we're able to celebrate them because we know the end of the story. But it's important that we understand that the people that are in the story, like Mary and Joseph, that they're not ready to celebrate yet because they don't know the end. Now, they've been given some promises, but we know from their journey that the story gets a lot worse before it gets better. They have to flee and go live in Egypt and hundreds of children are murdered by Herod the Great. When we find ourselves confused, when we find ourselves feeling disturbed, we have to remind ourselves that God always knows the end of the story. And we thrive in seasons of confusion because we choose to trust in the sovereignty of God. When we're facing sacrifice that feels unfair, how do we thrive? We thrive by trusting in reciprocity. Can, can we just agree together, whatever sacrifice that is being thrust upon you right now, whatever this global pandemic is costing you, whatever you feel like you're having to give up, if you are a Romans 8, 28 uh, uh, child of God who's qualified for this incredible promise over your life, meaning that you've made a vow of devotion to Christ and you're committed to whatever part your plan is supposed to be, in this journey, can I just say to you what I'm saying to myself is that don't forget that every sacrifice that you're having to make right now is a seed that you're sowing into your future. When we find ourselves confused, we trust in his sovereignty. When we find ourselves facing sacrifice that feels unfair, we trust in reciprocity. And when we find ourselves being given responsibility for which we feel ill-equipped, listen to this, it's important that we trust his choice. It's important that we trust his choice, meaning that God chose you. Whatever situation that you're facing right now, whatever responsibility that's been thrust upon you right now, God picked you for it. And even if you feel ill-equipped, and even if you feel ill-prepared, Please know that God, from the beginning of time, has never made one mistake, and he's certainly not made a mistake in picking you to deal with the responsibilities that you have. Whether you are a husband or a wife or a parent, whether you are a, a, a single adult living by yourself, whatever describes your situation and your circumstance, whether you're an employee or business owner and you're having to make decisions that affect other people's future, I just want you to say to yourself, God picked me and he knows that you can do it. 
confusion, sacrifice, responsibility. We trust in his sovereignty. We trust in reciprocity. We trust in his choice. And in interdependence, listen to this part, we trust in community. God has surrounded you with relationships and with people that you can lean into during this time. Now, I know for all of us that there is a sense of interdependence where our lives are, are, are at the mercy of people that we don't know and decisions that, we're, that are being made. Don't forget, we have to trust his choice for them too. Government leaders, political leaders, maybe even political leaders that we don't trust and don't support. Don't forget, trust in his choice that God has picked the people to make decisions that are going to affect our future. But there is a community that you should be surrounded by. There should be some Josephs in your life because all of us are Mary in this story. There are Josephs that are in our lives that we should be able to look to. And even if their first response to us is not what we would prefer, trust their heart. I love that it says that Joseph was a righteous man, which means that Mary, I think deep down inside, knew that Joseph was going to get there and she knew that God, if necessary, would send an angel to him just like he had sent to her. You've got to be willing to trust the relationships that are around. You've got to be willing to lean into them. You've got to be willing to make yourself vulnerable to people, maybe in ways that you never have before. Trust in the community that you have. And then this last thought I'll share with you, that if you and I are going to thrive, in providential moments, something inside of us has got to respond to God in the same way that Mary did. This is Luke 1:38, but I want to read it out of the King James Version because I like the way it flows poetically better. It says, And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Here it comes. Be it unto me according to thy word. Be it unto me according to thy word. If you believe like I do that providential moments are times where God uses worldly events to advance his eternal plans, it means that in that plan, you and I have a part to play. Now, it might not be a part that's remembered in all of history, like Mary's part. Some of us are going to have bigger parts and some of us are going to have smaller parts. But whatever part God has chosen for you, may it be that he finds us faithful. You and I are going to thrive in providential moments, when we come to God with a merry heart and say to him, be it unto me as according to thy word. Now, just like each week as we've worked through this message, I so appreciated Pastor Justin's message last week on Daniel. What a powerful sermon to encourage us in times that even when our, we're in the midst of a crisis, that, that those are not the times to abandon our faith. Those are the times to go deeper in, to continue to do the things that we've always done in our pursuit of God. And I love the devotion that he put together for us, giving us something to reflect on in that message each week. And again, our commitment to you is to do that week in and week out. And so as you go to the website under sermon notes, uh, you're going to find a link for a daily devotion that I'm putting together that's going to walk you through each day a little bit of a study on this idea of providential moments. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you that this is our story. Even though we know that another Bible is never going to be written, 
We do believe that one of the reasons why you gave us this Bible, one of the reasons why you gave us this book, is so that we could understand our own journey and understand our own story through the wisdom of the words on these pages. So I believe, God, that right now as we face this global pandemic, that we ourselves are in a providential moment. And I believe, God, that just as you've always done, that you are going to use worldly events to advance your eternal purposes and your eternal plans. So find us faithful. Find us faithful in the part that you would have us play. Help us, God, to not just survive, but to thrive. In Jesus' name, come on, and everybody said together, amen. We'll see you next week. City Life. As we prepare for communion together, Pastor Fred spoke about the fact Mary's generation would have looked back at Moses' generation that lived through the Exodus, desiring to be the generation that would see the Messiah in the second Exodus to come. The disciples were in the same boat with the same hopes and aspirations. So when Jesus shared that first communion with his disciples, it was no accident that it was celebrated with the Passover meal. As that generation and others before it had looked back to Moses and Exodus, the meal itself pointed back to Moses and Exodus. And on the night of the original Passover, the Jews and Moses were still in Egypt, each in their homes, still in hard times and slavery, still dealing with a hard-hearted Pharaoh, still waiting for deliverance. You see, Mary had to endure nine months waiting for Jesus' delivery. The Israelites had endured nine plagues, still waiting to be delivered. When Mary endured her nine months, the presence of God was there inside of her. That means Emmanuel, God with us, manifested his presence in things like morning sickness. As we right now sit nine months from celebrating Christ's birth at Christmas, don't let discomfort and disorientation discourage you, as it may very well be the avenue of God's presence in communion with him. When the Israelites had witnessed nine plagues waiting for their deliverance, Passover found them inside their homes, confined, having received scripture's first stay-at-home mandate from Moses himself, and sitting there waiting to leave their homes, waiting for deliverance, waiting for God's move. They were covered by the blood of the Lamb, physically on their doorposts. But as we sit in our homes under a stay-at-home mandate thousands of years later, we too are covered by the blood of the Lamb, but the risen Lamb, Jesus Christ. And this is what we celebrate in communion tonight. And when Jesus shared communion with his disciples, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's pray. God, I pray that we, City Life, would feel the divine even in our discomfort. God, that we would feel Christ and communion with you even in our confinement. God, we thank you that you meet us in our homes as families. God, we are covered by the blood of the Lamb. God, may you make your, your face shine upon us this week and bless us and keep us until we come back together again. Amen. Clairewood Drive-In Theater Church coming up on Saturday, April 11th. We're going to have all of these cars parked in here, and you might have to do the actual parking. So I thought we should come out here in the parking lot and practice a little bit today. So um, just when we get to the part where we practice with the cones, I want you to think about those cones are actually cars that belong to other people. 
that we know and love. And so you can do it. You ready? Awesome. Perfect.